is so good to be together. Well, as I shared, today is Palm Sunday. This is the day where Christians around the world celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Today marks the beginning of Holy Week. Holy Week as Jesus journeys to the cross. And while Palm Sunday and Easter are really these bookends of joy and celebration, we know that the rest of Holy Week is, is complex. It's this complex mixture of, of sadness and confusion, of pain and loneliness, of this grief and despair as Jesus makes his way to the cross. But this morning, we are focusing on Palm Sunday, what it is, why we celebrate it, and what meaning it might have for us today in 2019. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to uh, Luke chapter 19. We're going to be looking at um, chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. And God's word says this for us today, sanctuary. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage in Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. Now some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is God's word for us today, church. Well, I titled this sermon, The Upside-Down Kingdom and Our Place in It. And I hope today that we can look at the story of Palm Sunday, a story for many of us that will be very familiar and routine, and that we will look at it today with new eyes. New eyes in both the context surrounding what was happening when Jesus was entering into Jerusalem on this donkey, and new eyes to see where we might find ourselves in this story today, in this story of Palm Sunday. And I want to do that, church, by asking us two questions today. So the first question this Palm Sunday is, is about the event itself. What is the kingdom of God, and how does Jesus turn the world upside down by simply riding on a horse or a donkey one day? Or put another way for us as 21st century Christians, am I living a life that shouts, Hosanna, Jesus! 
or hail Caesar? The second question is where am I in the triumphal entry? Where am I in this story of Palm Sunday? But first I want to tackle the first question. Am I living a life that shouts Hosanna Jesus or hail Caesar? So in looking at the context of Jesus' entry into the city of Jerusalem, it was a significant parade that was happening. There was significant commotion and noise going on. This is, in essence, Jesus' way of declaring his identity as the Son of God. Yet, it's this peculiar, humble, and unlikely display of this Jesus as this different kind of king. It also is a fulfillment to prophecy. We see in Zechariah 9.9 that it points to this prophecy. It also points us back to Psalm 118, which we'll look at in a little bit. But in order to deeply understand why Jesus' triumphal entry was so significant and how we can honor it more authentically today, I want us to consider a different triumphal entry. Another triumphal entry we may not have known was happening potentially simultaneously with Jesus' entry. Now at the time of Jesus' triumphal entry, it was the beginning of the week of Passover. Now Passover was this most sacred and special celebration for the Jewish people because remember, it marked the Jews' liberation under the oppressive powers of Pharaoh while they were in Egypt as they crossed the Red Sea into freedom, into freedom from slavery. This is a huge celebration for the Jewish people to remember, to remember their journey from oppression to freedom, from corruption to purity, from unjust violence to nonviolent justice. This is what they're celebrating. But as the Jews celebrate and remember God's amazing work in liberating them, they are still yearning for freedom. They still yearn for freedom because they are still under the oppressive rule of Caesar at the time of Jesus. And what better way for the Roman rulers than to remind the Jews of their submission to Caesar than a big parade. But this isn't the parade of Jesus on the humble donkey with his disciples and this crowd around him that we celebrate today on Palm Sunday. No, there was another parade happening potentially at the other side of the city by the governor Pilate. Now, in the religious and historical context of Jesus' day, there is evidence of this potential simultaneous triumphal entry to Jesus's. This lesser known but historical fact that it was customary for a Roman imperial triumphal entry to happen, to also happen in Jerusalem at the beginning of Passover. It would happen every year. The Roman governor of Judea, who was Pilate at the time, He'd ride in from his home on the plush um, Caesarean coast. He would enter Jerusalem with all the pomp and flair of his power. 
And the reason was twofold. One was to be present and to be there in case there were riots at Passover because this was an extremely important religious holiday for the Jews, but it was also politically charged for them. And so Pilate came to reinforce his power, his imperial power. Second, it was a cruel reminder. When Pilate came into Jerusalem for Passover, he didn't do it to honor the day, of course, but to reinforce his reign. Caesar's dominating reign over the people, to remind his Jewish subjects that that they were liberated from an earlier empire, which was Pharaoh, but they were still under the rule of Caesar now. So Pilate was reminding them that they were still captive under the Roman rule, that they were still under the authority of Caesar. This was a direct subjugation of the Jews' liberation and their identity as God's free and chosen people. It was Pilate's way of saying, you're not God's chosen and free people. You're property and plunder of Caesar's. Who do you belong to? And in Pilate's entry into Jerusalem, it was completely antithetical to Jesus' triumphal entry happening at another part of the city. Pilate's entry, his kingdom, his leadership, his rule was completely other, different than Jesus's. So church, this is the background of Palm Sunday today. This is the context of what was happening. So in looking at Jesus' triumphal entry, it is significant in the, in the city of Jerusalem and how different these two parades were, how different they were. Because Pilate's was grand. It was a parade of this imperial power. Pilate was seated on this regal horse. He was surrounded by people, foot soldiers, who were covered from head to toe in leather armor and helmets, weapons. There were banners that were streaking the sky, displays of his wealth. This was Pilate's way of saying, Hail Caesar, reinforcing Caesar's kingdom. But Jesus' triumphal entry was different. Jesus' entry was humble and unlikely. Jesus rode in on this shabby donkey. The people around him were not dignitaries and authorities. They were disciples and peasants. The parade including, included palms that people cut from the fields around them. They had cloaks on, on the road instead of these regal banners in the sky. The kingdom Jesus represented was something totally different than Caesar. But what's interesting is that while it may have looked different, it could have sounded similar. Because apart, of course, from the soldiers that were walking with Caesar and and the disciples and peasants who were following Jesus, the crowd could have been shouting similar things. Hosanna, blessed is the king. Hail the son of God. As 21st century Christians, we've heard the term Hosanna and Son of God so often attributed to Jesus, 
we may be surprised to learn that these were words used for the empire. These were words, titles, given to Caesar. Because Caesar was not just the emperor and the ruler of Rome, but he was given this divine title, son of God, the king who saves. Caesar was called Lord and Savior, the one who brings peace to the earth. But it was far from the actual divine and peaceful reign of God. Amen? It's very different. So when the crowd around Jesus shouts, Hosanna, blessed is the king, peace, hail to the son of God, these were really radical words. When the crowd around him shouts, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, these words are echoing Psalm 118. And what an amazing psalm this is. This psalm declares how God's love endures forever. When the nations surround me, when the powers of the world oppress me, when I'm pushed back and I'm about to fall, it's the Lord who will save. It's the Lord who will bring true peace. It's the Lord who will be lifted high. It's the Lord who will be the only true king, not an earthly king. Psalm 118 verse 26 says, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And it's interesting that Luke uses the exact phrase. But instead of saying blessed is the one, Luke says, blessed is the king. Church, do you see this juxtaposition of the rule of Rome versus the reign of God? Do you see that? Do you see the contrast between Pilate's triumphal entry and Jesus's triumphal entry? Jesus's triumphal entry symbolizes something completely different a completely different sort of reign, a different sort of power. So as we ask ourselves this morning, our first question, am I living a life that shouts, Hosanna Jesus, or hail Caesar? It's important to understand what our Hosanna Jesus really means, what Hosanna Jesus really means to live that out. The kingdom that Pilate ushered in on this regal horse, this prosperous parade, was one that sought the peace of Rome, but in this oxymoronic kind of peace, this Pax Romana kind of peace, peace through violence, peace through force and oppression. This is a strange sort of peace, but that's what Pilate was celebrating as he mounted his horse as he rode into Jerusalem, does our life reflect this kind of backwards peace, a peace that seeks to dominate and rule, divide, oppress, control? But the kingdom of God that Jesus ushered in, that he ushered in on this lowly donkey, as the prophet Zechariah would say and, and, and prophesy in chapter 9, Zechariah says, the son of God image is not like Caesar. Jesus, as the son of God, would command peace to all the nations also, but it was a peace that was true. It was a peace that was pure. It was a peace that, as Zechariah stated, would banish war from the land. 
There'd be no more chariots, no more war horses or bows. People in prison would be free. Hope would be restored. And in verse 16 in Zechariah 9, it says, the Lord their God will save his people on that day as the shepherd saves his flock. This is what the kingdom of God is about. This is what Jesus was ushering in as he rode on this donkey, this upside down kind of kingdom, a kingdom of humility and service, a kingdom of forgiveness and peace. It was an invitation to be a part of this peculiar parade, this alternative community that would bend their knee at King Jesus, shout Hosanna Jesus, and not hail Caesar. Amen. Palm Sunday should cause us sanctuary. It should cause us to ask if we are living a life that ushers in God's kingdom, that ushers in God's kingdom that is radically different than Caesar's, radically different from the world. Now I'm sure it's easy for you to say, but Pastor Rose, we're not living in that in you know Caesar's world. This is completely different now. That's true but I believe the world still values similar things. Profit over people. Production over the process and the journey that God has us on. Division instead of unity. Uniformity instead of diversity. Exclusion instead of embrace. Punitive justice over restorative justice. Bitterness instead of love. Two processions, two kingdoms, two very different leaders carrying very different messages. Which will we choose, sanctuary? Which will we choose? Now I have to admit something to you, sanctuary. I have to admit something today, church, that I was feeling nervous to share so much of the context of Palm Sunday because I know it can feel it can feel really technical as we shift and sift through the history and the context of Jesus' time, of this ancient world that is so far from us. But here are my intentions for doing so today. First, I pray that we never see Palm Sunday in the same way again. I pray that Palm Sunday will never be casual or routine for us in the church but that it would cause us to read Jesus' words of this triumphal entry with a, with a greater, uh, a different sort of lens. It should cause us in the years to come to carry the palm in our hand with a greater weight, a greater significance, to walk around this auditorium differently. That when we say, Hosanna, Church, let's make it this radical vision of God's kingdom that we profess to be a part of. Amen? May we remember that there was a rival triumphal entry happening on the other side of the city that was completely, completely antithetical to the one that we celebrate this morning, the one we celebrate with palm branches. Second, I pray that we live differently in the world under the full covering of God's rule. 
I pray that we do act like these peculiar, radical, upside-down kingdom bearers like the disciples. May people look at us and be perplexed, wondering why our values and our beliefs are so different from the world, why we can't be categorized as on the left or the right, why we follow this poor Jewish man named Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our King. And third, church, I pray that this is an opportunity for us to imagine today. That we would imagine where we are in this story today. And this is where I want to ask my second question of us today. Where am I in the triumphal entry? Where do you see yourself in this story today? Now, when I imagine myself, I want to be the disciples. I want to be following Jesus' instructions as I go to get the donkey, bring it back to him, seeing him so pleased and proud of me. I want to help him onto that donkey. I want to walk into the crowd, following him as closely as I can in this procession, shouting as loud as I could with the others. But when I'm more honest, I'm probably the crowd around him. I join in and I'm genuinely excited. I'm earnest. I want this savior. I want restoration. I want to be saved, as the word Hosanna implies. But in all honesty, I don't always understand this, this kingdom, this upside down, peculiar, alternative kind of kingdom. Because I know I can easily blend into the crowd. I can easily do as others do around me. And when push comes to shove, let's be honest, if I was with that crowd, who knows if I would have also called for Jesus' crucifixion when the others around me doubted Jesus, doubted his power and his identity as the week progressed. The story of Palm Sunday is this, this God's upside-down reversal kingdom. So as such, sanctuary, I want to suggest something completely strange, something as peculiar and different as God's kingdom. Now, I think it is good to think of ourselves as the disciples or those in the crowd, but what if, sanctuary, what if instead of the humans, we are the donkey? What if, how upside down, Odd and strange would it be today if I said on Palm Sunday, we are the donkey. Because just like the donkey, the donkey was unlikely. The donkey was chosen. The donkey was called to humbly carry the very message of God's kingdom. Come on, church. Are there some donkeys here this morning at Sanctuary? Amen? Given the regal horse that Pilate rode in on the triumphal entry, Jesus' choice of a donkey, while it was in the prophecy in Zechariah, it was certainly unlikely. How odd and strange for Jesus to choose this lowly, shabby animal. And what is, and after all, what are we but unlikely? 
What's so great, important, and regal about us, church? What does God see in us to carry God's very message into the world? And yet, God does. And while the donkey was unlikely, we see the donkey was deliberately chosen. For me, church, this is one of the most interesting parts of this story. Because for so long, I have read this Palm Sunday story, and I've assumed that it was kind of like a spontaneous, this random, impromptu kind of event that Jesus sort of just happened to all of a sudden be on this donkey riding into the city. But Jesus was deliberate. Jesus was deliberate in planning this prearranged counter-procession, even this intentional protest, And we see it in verse 30. In verse 30, he tells his disciples to go get the donkey and tell him exactly what to say to the owner. Jesus chose this donkey deliberately. And like this unlikely donkey, we are also chosen with intention. Do you know, church, that you are chosen with such care, intention, and love? That is God's love for you, that God chooses you with intention. Then after the donkey was chosen, after he was brought to Jesus, we see this donkey humbly submitting to serve Jesus, humbly submitting to carry Jesus, the very message of God's new kingdom in this procession. So this symbolic image of God's kingdom rested on this donkey in the way that it humbly served Jesus by carrying him. But it also literally carried the incarnation of God, carried Jesus, the word made flesh, into the city. Church, like this unlikely, like this chosen donkey, we are also called to humbly serve Jesus. Jesus, to humbly serve Jesus in this life. Because, look, church, it would be probably easy for this no-name donkey chosen by Jesus to carry him into this ragtag parade and start to feel a little prideful, right? He may have remembered the times that he saw the regal horses of Pilate's entry. Raising his head up high, he might start to strut a little bit. You know, thinking, this praise is because of me. It couldn't happen without me carrying Jesus, right? No. The donkey was called to humble service. We, church, are called to humble service. We're also called to carry the message of God, of God's kingdom into the city, into the world, So church, whether you like it or not this morning, we are donkeys in this Palm Sunday story. Amen. We are called, we are chosen in God's kingdom as these unlikely people, as humble servants of the Lord, Jesus' very messenger, carrying in this message of this upside-down kind of kingdom wherever we go. So as King, the kingdom of God people, church, we are called to shift our understanding and our thinking in every single way. Instead of important characters in the story, we're the donkey. 
instead of passively giving allegiance to God, we shout a deliberate Hosanna. Instead of God's kingdom being marked by prosperity, the kingdom of God is about humility, service. Instead of this kingdom that is triumphant and victorious through, through violence and forced peace like Caesar's, it's a kingdom that is triumphant and victorious through the greatest sacrifice, the greatest miracle, the greatest wonder, the greatest display of love that the world has ever seen, church. And that sacrifice and love, of course, is the work of Jesus on the cross. And it's the greatest miracle, the greatest wonder that the world has ever seen. And it's the celebration of Jesus' resurrection from the dead on Easter Sunday. Jesus' real, true, and bodily resurrection from the dead. So sanctuary, are we ready to join this upside-down kingdom? Are we ready to usher in the very message of God? then we have to first ask ourselves, are we striving to be the horse? Are we striving to be the horse that carries this message of prosperity and domination, a perpetuation of privilege and power for some? Or are we the humble donkey, the humble and unlikely donkey that was called to carry the message of the kingdom of God that strives for peace, for restoration, for reconciliation, for inclusion? Are we ready to take our place in this upside-down kingdom as, as donkeys this morning, church? We're unlikely. We are sons and daughters. We are called to humbly serve this true Savior and not Caesar, the world, not the world, but of Jesus. We're, we're called to carry this message into the world wherever we go. That we're not the regal horse carrying the message of injustice. We're not boasting, hail Caesar. Instead, our shouts, our shouts are to the Prince of Peace, to the Lord of Lords, to the King of Kings, to Jesus, the true Son of God, the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world. So church, are we ready to be donkeys in this season? I want to invite the worship team forward as we begin to conclude. Church, our Hosanna, our Hosanna this morning shouldn't be something that's casual. It's something, um, Hosanna is a declaration. It's a declaration of liberation, of disruption, it is a revolution in the face of injustice and sin. Our Hosanna is an intentional protest to sin and oppression. It's this holy reversal of God's kingdom. And it is a dangerous statement because it is a direct threat to Satan. It's a declaration that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Savior over all. It's also a call for a changed world. That while we are changed by Jesus, we're called to go into the world to change it. That the world can only be changed, it can only be redeemed and restored by Jesus Christ. Jesus is king unlike any other earthly king. And it is Jesus 
that we carry into the world. Amen.